0: Joel Klatt here on the line with us, presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel, we thought yesterday that uh, we'd reached the resolution of this quarterback competition, this 50-50 splitting reps, splitting time with the ones in each of the the first two preseason games. Vic Fangio said no as we head into the final preseason game. And we're trying to figure out, uh, at what point uh, does this start to hurt the football team, knowing that you have an actual game three weeks from now? Well... Good question. Obviously, everyone would want an answer sooner rather than later.
1: I thought that we would get it after last week. I thought that there was pretty clear separation, although to be fair, it's hard to evaluate, Mark, you know this, behind the number two offensive line. Because I think that on any football team, college or pro, the biggest difference in in um, drop-off and performance from the first group to the second group is in the offensive line. Just hard to find your offensive line. You got to find those five guys that gel. They get the most reps. And, and, and so I think it's very difficult from a timing perspective and just an overall feeling perspective to play your best football behind the number twos, um, as a quarterback. So having said that, I think that maybe they didn't announce yet because they, they feel like they want to be fair to drew and give him a shot with the ones in this next preseason game? Cause it seems like, and, and this is just 30,000 foot view. It seems like Teddy's not going to play in this next game, which gives drew a chance to go with the ones, which then gives an apples to apples comparison from what Teddy did against Seattle, what drew potentially would do against the Rams. And then they would name after that. Does that feel kind of like what's happening to you guys?
2: I I think it's a good, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think it's a good, I think it's good. I I just had mentioned to Zach that it feels like because of the way Minnesota played and because you didn't play a lot of your starters in that week one competition in preseason that you've never truly spent any time with the ones. But again, I don't know that they're going to play the ones in this week either. I know the Rams won't, so yeah, I just don't know that you get a true evaluation. I would ask you about being a quarterback, Joel, because most quarterbacks I know are absolute rep hogs when it comes to I want every rep, I want to prepare that way. Um How important is that, and, and what are they losing right now? Because they're doing almost a 50-50 split on working against themselves but also working to prepare for the Giants right now in <clears throat> practice. These are a little bit like regular season practices, and now you're splitting those reps up with your two quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, so I think I've said this with you guys before. I know I, I certainly said it when I was working with Mike, but this whole notion that, like, quarterbacks pull for each other, I'm always like, that's that's a lie, right? Like, you, once there's a starter named maybe, like, the backup is like, hey, man, I hope that this guy has success, but – Like, in in no point during a competition are you sitting there, like, rooting for the other guy. It's it's like, this is not eight-year-old Little League baseball. Like, I I, I truly believe that the best quarterbacks are so, there's so much hubris that that you always think that, that you're the better option. You want the reps. You want to be out there. And now, that's n- not what you would say publicly, but this whole notion. You know, I know that that Coach Fangio came out and said, like, oh, you know, they're they really pulling for each other and this and that. It's like, stop it. Stop it. That You want to be the guy that goes out there. We didn't have a, a warm and, and fuzzy quarterback room, you know, because here's the deal. There's only one of us that are going to go out there. It's the only position on the field that only one of us is going out there. So I don't know what to tell you. But I'm trying to beat you every day. Every single drill of every single day, I'm trying to be better than you. How can we be, like, chummy and rooting for each other in that sense? Now, I wanted the best out of you, but only in the sense that that would allow the best to come out of me. Right? So, like, quarterbacks are selfish, and you have to be. You've got to be selfish for completions. you got to be selfish for reps you got to be selfish about your, your preparation, in particular when it comes to a regular season game. So, so this notion that everyone's fine with the other guy getting reps is garbage. And this notion that, that everyone's rooting for one another in that room is also garbage. Now, I don't know if anyone would admit that, but that's the reality. Because it's a selfish position. You know why it's a selfish position? Because only one guy goes out there. And, I would add... That guy is going to get the bulk of the blame and the, and 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 criticism if things don't go right. You you got to have you got to have a, a special personality, uh, folks, to to walk out there at that position. You're not just part of the team at that position. You are the leader, right? So I need the reps. I need that that standing in the locker room so that I can be the proper leader for the team in order for the team to be the best that they can be. So this notion that everyone can just split reps, be
0: chummy-chummy, and root for each other is absolute filth. Joel Clatt with us on the line. Joel, how do you think expectations change, or, or if they don't, you can say so, if you went with Teddy Bridgewater with this roster or went with Drew Locke with this roster? That's a good question. I I don't think that they should
1: change. I think that you're trying to find a quarterback that is going to take your team to its ceiling, and so the the expectation has to be defined prior to the quarterback decision. I think that the the expectation for this team should be fairly high. I'm I'm high on this roster. I, I I'm I sense that I might be a little higher on this roster than maybe even Mark, you are. Um but but I think that the bar should be set fairly high. Now, does that mean that I think that they're gonna go win the division? No. Patrick Mahomes is in this division. Uh the two time AFC champion, um, you know, Super Bowl champion from a couple of years ago is in this division. I think that you're fighting for a wild card spot. But I do think that this is a playoff team. Uh I think that the defense has the potential, if given the lead in particular, to be a very, very good defense because their ability to potentially get after the quarterback. So the, the level of the quarterback has to then match that expectation. So I don't think that we can sit there and say, okay, let's choose a quarterback. Now let's define what success looks like. I think that the quarterback, and that's why you're going through this battle, has to um, increase his level of play to the level of expectation of the team.
2: Let me ask you, if all things are equal, like the Broncos coaching staff, which I don't believe all things are equal, but, you know, the Broncos coaching staff says, hey, it's, you know, neck and neck, 50-50, whatever, you know, it's pretty even, Steven, you know, whatever terminology they want to use. And we see, you know, like there's a difference between, you know, big plays and, and nuanced plays and pocket presence and all that stuff. But if it is actually even, which direction do you lean? Do you lean toward the guy that gives you more potential upside that's young on a rookie contract or the guy that's been in the league for eight years and, and been with a bunch of different teams?
1: Consistency always trumps splash. Mm. I think the, the best players – um, at that position, are guys that are going to minimize turnovers um, and 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 play the most efficient football you can possibly play, keep you in normal down situation, convert on third down. Now, if they create splash plays, that's a plus. But your offense is is never going to sustain on splash plays alone. So, I'm a big believer that the most consistent guy should play. Having said that, that's why I've been more of a Teddy Bridgewater guy. Is because you saw that even last week. You know, whether it's his fault or not, the ball's on the ground twice when Drew Locke is in the game, right? Well, like, that can't, that can't happen. I don't care if he recovered. I don't care if, you know, all, all, all things were, were fine in the end. And, and, boy, you know, he's got some of those splash plays because of the arm talent. I don't care. I'll, I want to have the most efficient and, and safest possible offense that I can. Knowing, and and people bristle at that, and and listen, I understand that. But the teams that are most successful are the teams that won't turn the football over. Possessions are precious in the National Football League. Mark, you know this. Every game is a one-possession game. Mm -hmm. Two at the most in the fourth quarter. If If you are giving away possessions, you will lose two or three games that you shouldn't over the course of the season. If you aggregate everything out... The the person that does not turn it over, that plays more efficiently, is always going to win more than the guy that is going to be more erratic but can get the splash plays. Why is is Jameis Winston not the quarterback in Tampa anymore? Because Bruce Arians was like, no, I can't do this. I don't care if he led the league and whatever, you know, touchdown passes and yards. He turned the football over too much. Then he goes and gets Tom Brady then win the Super Bowl. Now, I think Jameis has kind of learned his lesson in in that sense, and now he's under Sean Payton, and you're seeing him through preseason really win that job Saints. Why? Because he's playing the most efficient football that he's ever played in his life. So, I, I've always believed that efficiency is going to trump splash. That's the way that I would go, but we'll see where where they go.
0: Joel Klatt on the line with us. Joel, I'm really uh, interested to hear your thoughts, uh, and this will be the last one for me, on, on what went down yesterday or came out yesterday uh, with the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12 announcing a, a an alliance uh, that... They're, they said they're ultimately trying to quote stabilize a volatile environment. Uh, what do you make of this, and what do you think uh, could come into focus here in the coming years? Well, I, th- I think that this was this certainly a response to
1: the movement in the SEC, and and I think uh, uh, it's it's potentially, I think, very good for college football. I believe more in the in the future of college football in the vein of this alliance than I do in the vein of, of like super conference, 16 teams, you know, very regionalized and specific like, like the sec went. So while there's no agreement on paper, which means that all of this is literally hot air, I think that there's a few things that are very important out of this. One is if they do create some sort of a voting block, Right. And and they're going to be like minded when it comes to governance, when it comes to to, you know, what they're doing on a very specific voting board, which is the College Football Playoff Board of Managers. That board essentially governs college football. Okay, And if you can control that board through this alliance, then I think it's a good thing. I think you would get multiple partners into the college football playoff. I think the playoff would grow on your timeline and not the SEC's timeline. Uh, the number of participants would would be more along what you deem um, uh, requisite versus the SEC. And, and probably most importantly, you can push back on some of the influence that the SEC has had being the loudest voice in the room over the course of the last decade. So that's one, one of these. Then I think the other part that didn't get touched on because they haven't figured it out yet. I think that the most important and most impactful, uh, part of this alliance moving forward is going to be the scheduling component. And I think I've talked to you guys about it before, but the scheduling component, as, as I understand it, is going to be very similar to the NFL model, which means that you'll play a, what I would call an equitable schedule. Well, what does equitable schedule mean? Well, that means that you're going to play um, uh, like finishing teams from the previous year. So, for example, on a year-in and year-out basis, you would make your non-conference schedule. I think that you're going to start to see a lot of these non-conference games that are scheduled out eight, ten years, that they're going to just start being like, hey, we're not going to do that game anymore. Here's what we're going to do. Every year, we're going to put ourselves into a pool of non-conference games, and then what you're going to see is, You're going to reduce a conference game number from nine to eight in all of these conferences. And then if you're the champion out of, let's say the big 10, if you're Ohio state, then in your non-conference, you're going to go to Clemson, who is the champion of the ACC. And you're going to host Oregon who's the champion out of the PAC 12. Then you do that with the second place team. You do that with the third place team, fourth place team, fifth place team, maybe down to about the sixth place team. Everyone else would play some sort of like a round Robin in those couple of, of non-conference games. And it does two things. One, it increases your excitement of your fan base because you're going to see different programs across the co- you know coast to coast across the country, and in, in your building. And number two, it's going to grow the valuable inventory for television networks. Well, what does that do? It makes us television networks pay more money. What does that do for you? It grows revenue. So a, a lot of this is about revenue, but I think that's. The, the two most impactful parts of this alliance. So they can talk about everything else, you know, all that they want. We're like minded and we'll research universities, blah, 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 blah. That's just because presidents sit in the room and they need that rhetoric to be thrown out there to feel better about themselves. This is about two things. Blocking the SEC from getting everything that they want in the postseason, and two, creating more revenue through a non conference scheduling alliance that I think would be uh I think pretty damn cool for the fans out there uh, across college football. Uh, well, the other thing
2: I think for me would be if you're playing that kind of non-conference schedule, obviously you're playing great teams. Um, That increases your opportunity to be one of those playoff teams. If you're winning those non-conference games, it just makes the schedule that much more difficult as opposed to a few patsies early in the season, right? Yeah,
0: you know,
1: as opposed to say, like, we're gonna play Idaho or someone like that. Right,
2: exactly. I,
1: you don't. Know, hey, wow. you
2: don't want to go up to Idaho. Like CU does not want to travel up to the Kibi Dome and get caught at a track meet up there. I tell you that right now.
1: I tell you what. You know, you play in one of those places where they don't have stands behind the end zone. Yeah, and it, it messes <laughs> with you mentally.
2: Yeah right. It's like the thunderstick at basketball games. You're just not used to it, right? It's, it's, it's right. hard to shoot free throws exactly with a right. thunderstick clapping. You're right, I Joel. You, I, I love
1: the kiddie doing that. That was me. You know what? That was an ill-advised shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, 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 no.
0: No, I'm no, not. No, no. No,
1: I'm not. I, You're welcome.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, 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 Joel. I know I said uh, last one, but if you have one more minute, quick outlook on CU football uh, for this season.
1: Well. You know i was I was bummed about the injury, you know, at the quarterback position, but i I am you know cautiously optimistic. I know Vegas is not all that optimistic about Colorado, but but I think that they've done a really good job. Carl Durrell has done a really good job of making them better at the line of scrimmage, which I've always felt over the course of the last decade was was their biggest hindrance, was their inability to be great on the offensive line and be great on the defensive line. You know, I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 by any means, and, and I don't think they're going to win the division, but I do think that they could be a, an above 500 team and go to a bowl game. Now, I think that they're going to be able to run the football fairly well. Uh, I think that getting Nate Landman back, you know, after that injury and hopefully he's 100% is going to be huge for their defense because when he was on the field, that defense was actually, you know, stout. And then when he left the field, both in the Utah game and then against Texas uh, last year in the bowl game, you saw a drastic Uh, slide and their ability to stop the run. Getting him back will be key. I I think that this is a bowl team. I think Carl feels the same way, and and hopefully they can play that well. All right, Joel. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Joel. I appreciate you guys. Have a good one. By the way, Evans is a slacker. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like 2 weeks to the season. Are you taking vacation?
2: Right. driving across country, taking his own sweet time running uh, his his wonderful daughter Lily up to college, but he is uh he is soft. Like Joel. that's important. Yeah. Uh, he's he his he...
1: daughter to school. We got but we got football to talk about. Evan. Right.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, scandalous. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. He is really He's gotten soft, Joel, since you left. I just don't hold him accountable enough. Well, you know, Mark, I think they you just need to hold the line. I do. I do. I need to uh I need to pick up my game, man. Hey, we appreciate you. You're the best.
0: How are you doing, boys? Yeah, all right, there he goes Joel Klatt presented by Audi Flatirons.